G'day Rugby League fans, Martin Lenahan here for Rugby League Week's second podcast, week two of the finals. I'm joined by Shane Bugden, editor of League Week, and Rocco Luca, our digital editor. Boys, straight into it, off the top, the Rugby League Week players poll. It's been going since 1986, the biggest issue of the magazine every year, without doubt. The most anticipated, 100 players, they're open, they're honest. Shane, what was the biggest thing that came out of this for you, mate, this year? I think um, what they were talking about with the depression, uh, we found that uh, 85% of the players we polled said that they know of another player who suffers from it and that furthermore, 22% of them say that they suffer from it themselves, which is, um, you know, given the the struggles and some of the high-profile struggles that players have had with it, uh, not just this year, but in years previous, it's um, it's a pretty damning statistic and something that's that's a it's really a huge worry. Yeah, pretty alarming figure there, Rocco. I would say, particularly twenty two percent saying that uh, suffered from depression themselves. I mean, this is obviously a fair bit of this going on around in society itself. But as we said, the players are very open, very honest about this. This is a massive issue they're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that twenty two percent that's that's one in five. So I mean. That's definitely a, an alarming statistic and um, it's definitely an issue that should be at the forefront of the game at the moment and society. Yeah, and speaking about issues that are at the forefront, uh, Eddie Hayson yesterday, fantastic press conference uh, that he held, gambling, match fixing. Now, 74% of guys polled say they know a teammate with a gambling gambling problem again, boys. That is uh, that is a massive number and a huge issue for the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of what's going on with you know match fixing and how blokes can get put in horrible positions financially when they have that sort of problem and how that opens the door then for for um, uh, unscrupulous types to take advantage of it and uh, and you know approach them to be able to throw matches one of the one of the stories that goes along with that is we've got um, the producer of a movie called broke which is um, being uh, compulsorily shown to players at a few clubs which deals with a uh, you know, the story of an ex-player who basically punted all his money away. And this guy's saying that the stories he heard as they were making the movie that, you know, there are guys blowing their entire paychecks on it, uh, guys who were, you know, turning to crime. This is all through all levels of the game, not just in first grade. And, uh, you know, just the, the, the spin-off results of it are just uh, just horrendous to think about. Yeah, incredible stories down the years, I guess, of guys with poker machines, with... Uh... You know, with the horses, you know, Eddie Hayson, as I said, was just one of the most bizarre press conferences of all time. He turned on bikies, he gave them a bit of a spray, he gave journos a spray. Uh, basically, once again, reiterated that he had nothing to do with match fixing. But Rocco, it's just when these sort of people are invited into the games and, and into, inside the uh, inner circle, the players do have to be very careful. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that was a bizarre press conference we witnessed yesterday. Um but uh, yeah, to to Eddie Hayson's credit, he, he didn't shirk many questions. Whether he was telling the truth, that's another issue. But seventy four percent of players saying they know a player with a gambling problem. I mean, that's that's incredible. Um, that's something that we can't sort of turn a blind eye to, and and we really need to address because then, like Shane said, this leaks into other things, match fixing, other problems, and um, I mean, it's just not a good look for the game, and it's a really really big problem in our game at the moment. And also, I think. I think there's also a link between the gambling and depression. So I think those two things can go in hand in hand and it's something we really need to address. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the issues that makes the poll so compelling, I guess, that these players can speak openly. Now, boys, there is a question that isn't in the poll anymore. Most overrated player used to be one of the biggest ones. The fans loved it. The players used to get into it. They used to love uh, talking about who's the most overrated player in their peers. But uh, 
Unfortunately, they, they don't do it anymore, boys. They kind of went a bit uh, bit off that. But uh, you know what? We can do it. So, Rocco, I want you to give me your uh, most overrated NRL player, please. Yeah, look, it's no, it's no, um, it's no coincidence that, that um, the fans love this one, but the players didn't. Um, but where we can have our say, they so. all went two PC. Let's be honest, <laughs> the players are starting to shy away. Punters love it, and we're here for the fans. So, uh, we're going to give it to you the most overrated. Absolutely. Look, um, a player for me who has played representative football. He has played in a grand final or two grand finals actually. Um, and he, he gets praised all the time for his guts and and the way he plays the game so tenaciously. But um, for me, it's, it's got to be Josh Reynolds. Uh, look, he plays at 5'8", arguably the most important play position on the field. I don't think he has much creativity in him. He plays off the cuff. Um, he does get praised here and there, but I, I just think he's not an elite playmaker and he's definitely not an elite player in the game. And I think... We saw that this year with the with the Bulldog struggles. Um, he didn't get helped by Moses Mbai, who struggled, had his own struggles. I this think year. you could throw the two of them in for me. Both yeah. of them a bit overrated. Uh, when, when it all went wrong last Sunday against Penrith, those two boys were Mbai started the game fine, drifted out of the game. I think you could probably throw both of them into the category. Shane, come on, most overrated, please. Uh, I'll go with Robbie Farah. Uh, you know, this isn't, isn't to you know besmirch anything that he's achieved in the game. He's he's done so so many great things in the game, but just the you know the fact that he made the Blues, I thought was a bit surprising this year, given that you know he, he bases so much of his game around tireless efforts in defence, but at the same time, so does someone like Nathan Peets, who um who I think offers more than Robbie does now. And you know, the reason he finished up in reserve grade had as much to do with politics as the way he was playing on the field. But if you look at the way the Tigers pack played when he wasn't there, there wasn't a you know, a huge a hugely discernible difference there, and which really does speak volumes, I think. Um the guy you sort of tend to forget how long he's been around in the game and when, you know, you've been playing in that position for that long Sooner or later, the shine's got to come off you, and I think it definitely has for him. Oh, it's come off all right. I think Laurie Daly might have been the only bloke that rated uh, Robbie Farrer in 2016. Now, speaking of Robbie Farrer, what a big move this week for South Sydney to sign him. The hooking jigsaw all falling into place. Cameron McGuinness has gone to the Dragons. What about Robbie Farrer? I tell you what, South South fans were straight into social media all over it, not happy. They want Damian Cook to be the number one hooker. Robbie, you can sit on the bench, or he might even have to play a bit more New South Wales Cup. Look, where is this headed? Is he going to end up uh, in a stink with Michael Maguire? He's pretty strong-willed, Madge. I can just see uh, some more personality clashes at this team, as we saw at West Tigers. I think it's very interesting that when um, when South released a statement about making the signing, that what Madge said is that you know we welcome you know the opportunity for Robbie to compete for a spot in the top seventeen. It's not like you know here's our new starting hooker. So, and I think South fans have a very good point that when you look at, you know, the uplift that they had when they kicked on at the end of the season, that, that pretty much coincided with Damian Cook beating Cam McInnes out for that spot and what he was offering, the way he sets the play up by running out of dummy half, putting the defence in two mind because his feet are that good. And he, if he gets through that line, he's gone because he's a former winger. You know, in, it's different in that it's not hard you know, straight through blokes running like what Isaac Luke used to do to set up the rest of the forward play. But it, it is along the same lines and it's something that Cameron McInnes didn't do at all and not something that, you know, Robbie's, you know, particularly well noted for either. So I think the South fans have a very good point. I'll, I'll, um, I'll throw this to you. So the Dragons have signed Cameron McInnes. Um, the Rabbitohs have now signed Robbie Farah. Um, two reserve grade hookers at the end of the day, both ended up in reserve grade. Who do you think uh, got the better deal there, boys? 
Oh, I think the Dragons have got a better deal. I mean, Mitch Rainey's on the scrap heap. He was being spoken about for Origin a few months ago. He's gone, can't get a club at the moment, might be headed to England. I think Cameron McGuinness, potentially a very good player, could fit in well to the Dragons. Robbie Farrah, for me, I'm sorry, this is a huge gamble by South. I think the thing at the Tigers was there was a lot of upheaval, personality clashes. When Taylor stood his ground and just went with the young guys to run the show, their game improved out of sight. So I think there could be uh, could be some drama down there at uh, Redfern when Robbie Farrow, if he starts to clash with a couple of other players or the way that they play the game, or as I said, with Michael Maguire. So I'm going to say the Dragons have uh, come out on top here. I'll go the other way and say South have you know, got... You know, even if they do decide to do what the fans want them to do and they play Cook, they've got an, an excellent backup and we know how hard it is to get through a, a season without losing a player to injury, especially a hooker who puts his hand on the ball that often, makes that many tackles, always doing work in the middle of the park. And on top of that, they're not paying all of Robbie's money. They've got someone else to do that yeah, for Yeah, there's a fair so, bit of that being paid by the Tigers. But uh, So Shane, you're most overrated player and uh, South have still done well, you reckon? So. Yeah. Look, we'll see how we go. Honestly, it could be a masterstroke for South, but uh, for me, I don't think so. Now, just quickly, boys, best player in the game, Jonathan Thurston, 51% of the vote. I've got to say I'm surprised it wasn't more. Cameron Smith was second. Surely JT, as I said, I thought he might have got a few more votes. Takes us into tonight's game, first final. Let's have a look at that. JT's quest. Cowboys still alive to go back-to-back. They host the Broncos. Look, these teams have played three one-pointers in a row, but surely Brisbane aren't going well enough to give us another classic tonight. Oh, actually, I disagree. I, I'm actually tipping the Broncos in this one. Um, just no, I don't think they're playing great footy, but um, I think Ethan Lowe is a massive loss for the Cowboys. Absolutely. Um, he's been JT's go-to guy the last few weeks. Uh, he's been hitting the line so well. Um, an absolute weapon on that edge, and I think he's a, a massive loss. Uh, Cohen Hess comes in, and he's, this kid's got big raps on him, but I think this game's too big for him at the moment. Um, also, Kalen Ponga coming in. Um, Talk about kids with raps. <laughs> absolutely, but uh, what a game to debut in. I mean, a semi, an elimination semi final against uh, a Broncos team. So, uh, look, I think all the pressure's on the Cowboys at home as well. I think this is set up for a Broncos to steal the game here, and um, I really back them in to, to beat the Sharks next week. I wouldn't put five cents on the Broncos to win this game. I don't think their defence has been anywhere near as good this year as it was last year. They're patchy in games. They're vulnerable up the guts, which is not something that you uh, associate with a Wayne Bennett coach side. And I think um, in spite of the injuries that they've had, and I don't dispute anything you said about you know the, the harshness of those for the Cowboys, uh, I think Hess will be. I think Hess will be all right. I don't think he's going to do what Lowe does, but I think, um, yeah, I think they're a lock to take it out. Tonight, yeah, different sort of player, Carl Hess, but geez, he could do some damage. I think. Uh, look, the Cowboys for me as well at home, probably only just. I think the injuries have really uh, tightened it up a fair bit, made it closer. Now, what about the Broncos boys going at each other at training? You know, uh, Josh McGuire and one of the, the young forwards, the old contested sessions now. I think most uh, coaches, players will say this is fine, shows a bit of intensity, they're up for it. Is it really what uh, Wayne would have wanted to see at training this I, week? I think I think too much was made of it, to be honest. I mean, things get heated at tra- training and the Broncos are known for having pretty intense uh, sort of scrimmage sessions there. And um, I think, yeah, I think it was a bit of a beat up and shows that they're really zeroing in. Perhaps a bit stiff, it got caught on. Geez, great photos, but there's someone there at training obviously covering the session I think, as you said, it just shows the intensities there. These blokes are up for it. They weren't great last week, let's face it. They probably got through a bit of a leg up from the referees, got a lot of really uh, 
close decisions went their way. So, look, they might have been lucky to even get through, but they're there and they're going to lift the intensity. This is a team that's only missed the finals twice in 25 years, so they know what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, with like you said, they got caught on film. I mean, how do you know that the same thing hasn't happened in any one of any number of yeah. other camps this year? I don't think it's a problem at all. I mean, if someone had to put someone on someone's chin and concuss them, problem. But that, no, nah, it's fine. And Jimmy Roberts gone, Jimmy the Jet. I don't think he had much chance of getting off at the judiciary. He's got to sit out a week. Look, for me, Jordan Carhu into the centres is actually a bonus. I think James Roberts has offered... Very little for a guy with his hype. Uh, Jordan Carhu getting in closer to the ball. Pearson on the wing. Look, he was a little bit shaky early last week, but so was Corey Oates. They both came good. I reckon this can be a bonus, actually, for Brisbane having uh, Carhu in tighter. Yeah, I, I don't think it's much of a loss, and that's no slight on James Roberts. Um, he definitely hasn't hit the heights um, from 2015. But, um, yeah, look, I, I don't think they'll they'll miss him too much. I think Obertuk's a really good player and, and one on the rise and been recently re-signed, so I think... I don't think they're going to lose out too much there. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, I think part of the thing with Roberts is just the way that they're playing, that he just doesn't get enough ball down that side to really have as much of an impact as he would have at a, at a different club. So, yeah, again, like you, Rock, I don't think it's a slide on him so much, but I don't think it's going to hurt them badly. Yeah, they can turn on another epic for us, hopefully tonight, boys. The Cowboys and the Broncos should be a beauty. Move on to the uh, the second game back in Canberra again. Full house there last week, just the best atmosphere you've ever seen with the uh, the Viking clap before the game. Didn't quite get them home. Penrith go down there this week. They were the highlight of the week one for me. The Panthers, Matty Moyle and Josh Mansour. This was just incredible. We said that they would run the Bulldogs ragged. The dogs are cumbersome. They did exactly that. They just absolutely blitzed them in the second half. Now, Michael Ennis, boys, went down there last weekend just talking about that Viking clap. Geez, I tell you what, he has copped it deluxe this week. Went on uh, TV, of course, himself and tried to hose it all down. But just quickly on him, fair dinkum, that was a disgrace for me. He, he deserved every bit of the crap that he, he caught and more. I thought that just, you know, that served to take the gloss off. And I don't mind, you know, blokes turning around and giving it to the opposition players. That's what they're there for. You know, what happens on the field stays on the field. But, you know, that did happen on the field. But it was also directed at the at the, the team supporters, the people who rock up and pay their hard-earned. And that that is one of the lowest things I've seen in footy this year. Yeah, I mean, he's known for it. And, you know, he didn't do anything illegal. A lot of people were branding that out. But um, I would just like to have seen him own it after. Um, look, if he, if he got out there and just said, look, I saw it, I carried on, I got, over, I got carried away a little bit and... But no, he said, he said, nah, I wasn't really giving it to him. He sort of moved away from it. So, I mean, I think he just lost respect there. Yeah, yeah well, pretty weak, I think. Exactly right. Look, the Canberra fans, won't worry them. They'll be back there in force again for the uh, the game against Penrith. It'll be a full house again. They're going to need a full house, Canberra. Josh Hodson is a massive loss. Blake Austin, for me, if he plays, it's too big a risk. I think I know Ricky's going to give him right up to kick off. Without those two guys... This is a massive chance for Penrith to uh, to just keep on going with this red-hot side they've got. Yeah, yeah. It is. I, I really found this one of the hardest games of the year to tip because I think after what happened, the way that they got stung out of that game yesterday, uh, last week, Canberra, they'll, they'll come back hard. I mean, we, we couldn't get an interview out of any of them after the game because they all got tucked away from the media. So that hasn't happened very often at all this season. It gives you a good indication of how shattered those blokes were. And I think that they're going to come back very, very hard. They, they should have won that game, really. Yeah, 12 nil up. And, they and should have the won the problems that. that Cronulla had. Yeah, and in spite of the fact that they did lose Hodgson and lost their way a little bit, you know, they've showed before. They showed when they played Melbourne down there 
towards the end of the regular season that they can defend their way to a win. They're, they're quite capable of it. Um, and doing that against Penrith when they're going to offer you more chances to, to score on them than what Cronulla would, I think I think that they're they're up there. I think that I think yeah. they can't be discounted at all, despite you know Austin not probably not being there and Hodgson almost certainly not being there. Yeah, I found it a little bit disappointing that these injuries have been uh, Canberra injuries have been overshadowing um, this contest this week. I mean they, they are two big players, but I think the more of the focus has to be on Penrith and the way they're going. Um, boy, they were impressive last week in the second half. That dog side, I know they weren't up to scratch, but um, just some of the tries they put on were just unbelievable. And um, it's interesting because I spoke to Josh Mansell about two months ago and he said just casually that they were really building to something and he said he he couldn't believe some of the training sessions they've been having and, and what they've been doing at training and it just seems like everything's coming off for them at the moment. So, look, um, this one, I, th- I see it having plenty of points in, in it and... Um, I just think the Panthers are going too well at the moment and it'll be disappointing for the Raiders to go out in straight sets, but I think Penrith got this one. Yeah, Penrith are one of those classic teams. I think that everyone said they're building towards the Premiership in the next couple of years and then suddenly they've started winning. They've got the momentum. Matt Moylan, for a young captain, is just doing a fantastic job, playing great footy. The runaround with Josh Mansour, how long since we saw one of those, busted the Bulldogs wide open. Suddenly they've started believing, don't worry about next year or the year after, we can do it this year. They can go down to Canberra. They're on a roll. The second week, you've always got two teams with momentum on the way up. Penrith is one of those teams. And Canberra, I think, have not made a, a prelim final since 1997 in Super League. So maybe there's a little record that's uh, unfortunately for them about to continue this weekend. Well, I think the one thing that, you know, whoever loses this clash, their fans can definitely console themselves with the fact that their, their team's going to be there or thereabouts again next year. They're both very young sides. I don't think that... You know they've they're, they're going to stop improving and sort of and hit the peak of their form this year. I think that they've got more left in them, um, especially when you look at some of the guys who, who, who could come into those sides that they've recruited. Um, and as for that runaround, you'd think that Ricky Stewart would be getting out the VHS tapes from the eighties and nineties <laughs> and teaching blokes how to defend against that because the Bulldogs look like they'd never ever seen one before. And you see it in every single game of touch footy that's ever been played and. It was, yeah, just I love it when a team break, brings out a move like that that you haven't seen for so long and it works because no one sees it anymore and they don't know how, how to react. I'll just um, quickly add, I think if I'm a Raiders fan and, and I see them get done this week, and injuries aside, um, you'd have to be bitterly disappointed. They went into the finals uh, with on a 10-game 10, 10 winning streak and um, regardless of players they've had injured or whatever, they would have had two games at home. They go out in straight sets. I don't think there's much of an excuse there. I mean, it'll be a disappointing. Yeah, or two home finals. I think is a big point because there's been a lot of talk about, particularly that first week, about who got to play at home. Obviously, Melbourne did, Brisbane did, Penrith was the team that had a home final and had to play it at Allianz. So they came up big away from home. You know, nowhere near their uh, Western Sydney heartland. So I think you're right. Canberra go out in straight sets at home would be a massive letdown. Look, they've had a great year, no doubt. Ricky Stewart right in the uh, the frame for coach of the year. But to, to fall at two hurdles in the finals would be a big letdown for those guys for sure. Yeah, immense. But like I said, you know, in a lot of senses, if you go back to the way we were tipping, you know, where everyone was going to finish at the start of the year, not many people had Canberra in the, in the eight, let alone the top four, let alone the top two. So... I think, you know, it will be bitterly disappointing if they do go out, but I'd say give it a few weeks and, you know, the fans will already be looking forward to next year and what they can do there. Just talking about the Bulldogs boys who went out last week to Penrith, uh, 
Now, Rocco, there was a bit of a story on Rugby League Week website a few weeks ago about Des Hasler being under pressure. Now, we copped an absolute heap of grief about that one and uh, people defending it. Hasler has got a great record, no doubt, but the way this team sort of folded up towards the end of the year, looked bereft of ideas, playing a brand of footy that just couldn't keep up with some of these younger, faster side, slicker teams... Um, suddenly that that sort of uh, suggestion about Des Hasler doesn't seem quite as stupid. Look, uh, make no mistake, Des Hasler is one of our premier coaches in this competition and his record speaks for itself. But what's interesting is he's he's known as, a, as an innovative coach and the, the brand of football he's put out this year and, and pretty much the last 18 months is just, I mean, it's just stale. It's just you know what you're going to expect. The Dogs' wins have come off the back of their forwards just steamrolling opposition teams, but... I mean, you just know what they're going to give. And, and I think uh, the criticism and the speculation has been warranted about his future. If I'm a Dogs fan, I'm, regardless if they say, oh, they made the finals, um, it just wasn't good enough. And I really think he's under pressure. And he'll be there next year. But, I mean, if he produces what he produced this year, look, he, he should be sacked. Is Kieran Foran going there, boys, to save the day? We spoke about Kieran Foran last week and the bit of a roadblock there uh towards him going to the Bulldogs, but uh, looks like he's actually back in the frame a bit more this week. I've, I've given up trying to predict what's going to happen with that bloke. It's just it's like, it's like just ping-ponging like a pinball machine. It's going all over the place. I mean, if, if he did end up there, there's no doubt that he could do nothing else other than help them, you know. But I think, you know, it's not just a matter of the halves there as well. I mean, we've got Blocker Roach in his column, and this issue brings up the fact that, you know, Sam Cassiano aside, who seems to be able to get away and offload, even if he's got six blokes hanging off him, there's there's not a lot of second phase play in that forward pack. It's very straight up and down. And while you can't deny the, the talent and the input of blokes like Josh Jackson and like David Clemmer, you know, when they get stuck behind in a game and they're, they're looking to, to do something there, they just don't have it in them. And I reckon, you know, someone the stature of Des can, can fix that. And it's not just Des, but it's also the other, you know, coaching staff they've got there, blokes like Tony Grimaldi. You know, this is something that can be rectified, but I think anyone who's, who's thinking that if Kieran Foran does go there, and it's it's obviously a chance, but if they think it's going to be some sort of cure-all, then I think they're wrong. Well, I'll just jump in there. I've spoken to the mole this morning, and, and we broke on the website this week that he had pretty much agreed terms for him with the Warriors, and it was a catalyst for getting Kearney over the line at the Warriors, so... He's still adamant that it's a done deal and it's just passing the red tape um, from the NRL to get over there. So the dogs have come have come into the into the frame later this week because apparently they've put in an offer that's blown the Warriors out of the park. But the mail is still strong that he's agreed to terms with the Warriors. Well, just on Big Sam, boys, you mentioned him, Shane, uh, getting away offload with six blokes. You've got to be on the field, mate. That that's the he lasted eleven minutes against yeah. Penrith, so might be able to get an offload away. But he was busted after. 11 minutes, Tony Williams, some of these other guys just too big. They would just run off their legs. So that, that for me, was the biggest issue for the Bulldogs. Talking about the Warriors, Rock. I mean, uh, huge news, obviously, with Stephen Carney going there. What about Andrew McFadden? Now, usually when you lose a job, you can't wait to get out of the joint. You get away from there quick enough after two years, I think, at the helm, and they haven't really achieved uh, as they should have. Uh, he's staying on as an assistant. How's that going to work? It's bizarre. It, it's I don't I don't know how it's going to work. I, I don't know how that conversation would have even gone down. Um, it's a demotion, and look, when when coaches get sacked, they move on to other clubs and and generally pick up pick up an assistance gig at other clubs. But I mean, to get an assistant gig at the same club to take a straight demotion like that, I, I don't know how it's going to work. I, it's bizarre. Jim Doyle's a smooth operator, and and he's proven that in the past. But I don't know what he's thinking with this gig and and the fact that. 
he's promoted Stacey Jones um, as an assistant as well. I think that's a good move. But what's McFadden going to do? I mean, how's his pride going to take that? Yeah, I mean, what's his role? If he, if if they thought he did well enough with the attack to sort of be looking after that side of things as happens with a lot of uh, assistant coaches and other clubs in the league, then I think they're wrong. And if they think he did well enough with their defence this year, then I think they're very wrong. So, yeah, I'm mystified, absolutely mystified. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he actually wasn't there by, if not by the start of next season, if they have a, if they have a reshuffle or if, a, if it gets changed, you know, not long after the start of the season, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah, look, Kieran Foran obviously would make a huge difference to the team, but they are a side. We do this every year. They sign blokes and everyone gets excited. I know I tipped them top four or something for this year with obviously two of us, Sheck got hurt. Isaac Luke didn't get hurt. He just got fat. He just got, he was out of condition for half the year, came good towards the end. But seriously, they are one of the biggest disappointments. I don't know how Stephen Kearney turns that around. I don't know how Andrew McFadden goes down a spot and helps him turn it around. Stacey Jones, legend of New Zealand Rugby League. But honestly, there's just great expectations on this team every year and they're yet to uh, really deliver on it. Well, you know, they, they did make the grand final. I know it's a few years ago now, but, you know, there's a lot of players like, you know, Sean Johnson. If, if they if they catch fire, and we all know what they can do when that happens, you know, they can go out and they can whack anyone. They've beaten Melbourne to get into the grand final. They've had upset victories over Melbourne in Melbourne a couple of times during the final series. So it's just, it's yeah, it's perplexing. And, you know, it's it's one of the great mysteries of the NRL, I think, that they can have that list and, it, it's you know, it's not working for them. And then if they do add foreign and then they've got him and Johnson and they're both players who like to run straight at the line and take it on, very physical kind of halves, use their feet a lot, you know, how's that going to work? Oh, mate, look, we could talk about the Warriors all day and still come up with nothing. So uh, we'll leave them alone. Talking about catching fire, boys, just quickly, let's round it up for today. Who's going to catch fire in the two finals? Give us your tips there, Rocco. Yeah, look, as I said, um, I think the Broncos, I think too much expectation on the Cowboys at home. I think Ethan Lowe's that massive loss um, given the form he's been in. And I just think the Broncos are just going to do do enough in the game tonight. And in the other game, I'm tipping a ball over from the Panthers. I think they're going to go down to the nation's capital and continue that good form. And I think it's going to be bitterly disappointing for, for the Raiders fans to go out in straight sets. I'll say Cowboys in a canter. And uh, looking at the other one, both great attacking teams, so they sort of cancel each other out there. And when I look at the defence, I think Canberra's got the edge there, so I'll go with him. All right, Cowboys and Panthers for me should be another sensational weekend. Hopefully nothing like last Friday. Let's keep the referees out of it. Let's just have some clean games without crap decisions. Should be a couple of rippers. That's it, boys, for the uh, Rugby League Week podcast for this week.